Hey mamas, and welcome to the Entering Motherhood podcast. This is your one-stop, go-to place for getting you from feeling drained, exhausted, and unfulfilled in motherhood to feeling more energized, organized, and accomplished. That's the vision I continue to navigate towards, and that's the vision we are sharing with you, focusing on holistic alternatives and restructuring your mind, body, and soul from the inside out. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Bilger, a wife, mom of two, mechanical engineer, VBAC mom, and doula, serving mamas through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. If you're here for this, if you're as pumped up as I am and searching for that fire that you know is deep inside of you, then let's go. Let's uncover what it truly means to enter motherhood. You are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hey mamas. So if you are listening to this in real time, today is my birthday, June 5th. And you know, it's just so exciting to celebrate my birthday and be a mom because I feel like birth is so much more impactful. But today in this episode, we are talking with Callista Anderson and she is a mom coach And we really dive in today in this episode about how we can begin to put our life on autopilot during the postpartum period. So there is just so much here and it's so impactful. So listen along. It's not too long of an episode and you are going to enjoy it so much. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. Glad to have you here today. How about you go ahead by starting to introduce yourself for our listeners? Thank you, Sarah. So hi there, mamas. My name is Callista Anderson. I am a new mom coach and I love helping mamas prepare during pregnancy for the postpartum time and up to that first year after having a baby because I believe that's the most intense time uh, mom goes through is, you know, just entering motherhood, like your podcast title. And I'm sure you can agree. Um, it's such a transition for most of us. And so I really love supporting moms and partners during this time. My background is uh, I'm a registered nurse and a certified lactation counselor, and also a mom of three. And I got into doing what I'm doing today because I was that prepared mom, or so I thought, with my first baby. You know, I'm kind of a planner and a prepper, and I I thought I did all the things to get ready for my daughter. And when she arrived, I was just like a train had hit me, and I was just disoriented for weeks because it really wasn't what I thought. I I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't know it was going to be that hard. And I had a little bit of like a, a little arrogance be because I'm a nurse and I know like the basic medical stuff with pregnancy and childbirth and my husband's a doctor. And so I was like, we got this, you know, and I'm a planner, but the sleep deprivation and preparing for the wrong things or not for the things that were going to give me the most value really turned my world upside down. And when my daughter was, four months old. Oh, mind you, between her birth and four months old, I was, I 
I had trouble breastfeeding. I wasn't a, a lactation um, educator or counselor back then. Um, that w- took me by surprise. And luckily I found help and we were able to continue our breastfeeding journey. But at four months, I found out I was pregnant again and I had barely slept. So I was like, I really need to plan better for the second baby. And I thought of all the things that I could do to support myself for that second baby. And I ended up having a beautiful second postpartum. And I just became very passionate about helping other people get that experience. And you don't need to wait for the second baby to get that that experience the first time. So here we are today. And how old is your oldest? So my oldest is now 10. Then the second is nine, nine years old. And then I have a third who is three years old. So there was a little bit of a gap between my my Irish twins. You know, technically they're 13 months, not 12 months apart, but they are still like twins. They do everything, you know, together. After maybe a year, they kind of were on the same schedule. So they're really like twins. Um, and yeah, and then the third baby came as a, it, he was very much planned, but it was delayed because my husband was like, we're done after the two. And then when he turned 40, he was like, oh, I think my biological clock just kicked in. Let's let's do the third because I'd wanted a third years before that. Um, so yeah, now we have three and three's three's a different ball game. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, we're at two right now, but you know, we're we're playing with the idea of having more and it's, you know, navigating all of that because you know, you think like the transition from zero to one is big, and then you know, you go to one to two and you're like, whoa, like there's all these things that I did not know about. And so I can only imagine that that feeling just forever um, keeps on evolving. (laughs) It sure does. But, you know, it's always something new, like you get through one challenging part. And then it just as it's about to get or just as it's getting easier, it's like they change the rules or things just like, (laughs) then you're playing a different game. But it's all fun. (laughs) It's I mean, I would have more if I if I had the energy, but <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say this is this is a hundred percent like personal question. You do not have to answer it, but how in the world did you manage to get pregnant four months and like sleep deprivation oh and being so busy? And like oh I gosh. feel like sometimes that's not even on the table. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Let me just tell you, it just takes one time, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like I remember the one time and then it happened and I thought, and this is a good thing to talk about. And I didn't learn this till I went to lactation training, but I was like, oh, I'm breastfeeding. It's fine. You know, breastfeeding is birth control. And I later learned that unless you're exclusively breastfeeding, meaning a hundred percent and the baby is younger than six months, that is what is like 99.9% birth control. But early on, I was supplementing with formula, which kind of, that's a whole nother story, kind of ruined our supply and demand. But I was supplementing a little bit with formula in the beginning because I was having a hard time breastfeeding. And so that meant I wasn't breastfeeding exclusively, like 100%. So that's, I don't know how like one little bottle of formula can ruin <laughs> the birth control aspect of breastfeeding, but it did. 
And, you know, he was, my son is like the best surprise. Like it was, I'm glad it happened that way because I wouldn't have planned it that way. And I'm such a planner, but it, he is the reason I got into this. You know, I figured it out preparing for him. And also if I had waited, you know, who knows how long I would have waited in between the two because it was so rough in the beginning. And then lastly, I think it was a blessing in disguise because I didn't have to put any baby stuff away. So all the bottles, all the you gadgets, the cribs, the stuff was just like it was like one long postpartum. It was like a two and a half year, three year long postpartum season. Um, but yeah, by the time my son was born, I, I felt like I really got the hang of it being a back to back new mom, that it was actually pretty, quote unquote, easy now that I look back at it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, quote unquote, easy, <laughs> um, I think is like very good to point out there. And, you know, that's, that's another thing too. like the myths of like, oh, when I'm breastfeeding, I can't get pregnant. I think it's like those common things. Like I actually just saw a post recently and it was saying that breast milk can be shaken instead of like, you have to swirl it around in the container. And I don't know where I heard it from or where that came from or what that was, but it was, it's always surprising to me, like being so involved in all of the postpartum community and everything like that. When I learn these things, or I see something like that and I'm like, wait, what? Like, why was I told that you can't shake it? And I guess it's just when you're mixing the milk when it separates, like, obviously, you know, like let it settle down. Don't have like bubbles in it when you like full on, you know, start feeding it to your baby. But, you know, your experience with like lactation background, have you heard of that or or what? (laughs) You know, in my training, there was nothing that spoke to stirred, not shaken. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I can only imagine that's where it came from. Like if you shake it, it creates bubbles. And if you feed your baby with bubbles, they're going to get a tummy ache. And so, no, there was nothing in the training that in my training background that spoke about that. And or like handling of breast milk, because I know it's also too like, you know, like the how long it can stay out or, you know, all the things that go into it. Yeah, I think what's out there errors more on the overly conservative side where if they say, oh, you can leave it out for three to six hours, people will really tend to stick to the lower amount just because they don't want anything bad happening to it. And I think that's just how we operate, especially with our firstborns. We're overly cautious and we want to do everything right, everything by the book. And also while they're newborns, we're extra protective, right? So I think we just tend to do things as safe as we can. I don't know if you experienced this, but with every child, you're just a little bit more relaxed and you're like a little like, ah, oh, this, this smells good. It's still good. It's still fine. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. The three second rule on the floor, it turns into like five seconds. You're good. You're good. Yeah. I just pick up binkies. Like it's nothing now. Um, we were very strict with our daughter, like no screens for, you know, six months, even, I mean, she was born right at the end of 2019. And then it was like into COVID and everything. So it was like no kissing, like, you know, like we didn't want anybody touching her, like washing hands. Like we were total 
germaphobe. And now with our second, we're just kind of like, oh yeah, like here he is, like take him. <laughs> like yeah, totally. basic kind of, you know, wash your hands, things like that. But like we we totally were so much more relaxed when it came to all of those um first time mom feelings. <laughs> right. I, I mean, same with the binky for, for me. Every time it fell, I would sterilize it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like rent a little sterilizer and pop it in the steam for like, you know, 30 seconds or something. And, you know, it was really just to make myself feel better. Like it's not that harmful. <laughs> you know, if it like drops on the floor, I mean the the couch, like if it rubbed on anything before I was like, fr- I would freak out. But yeah, I think it's just, you know, the first time you have a baby, you don't know how to keep it alive, really. Like experientially, you've never done it. You know the idea of it. And so you're just extra careful. And we can laugh at ourselves looking back, like how crazy making it was. (laughs) But those feelings are so real when you're in it. It's like, I mean, like now, like, you know, being a quote unquote experienced mom and having to, like, I do kind of see like, oh my gosh, like, why did I worry so much about those things? But when you're in it, it is so hard not to. And it it's kind of like, you know, like those teenage emotions that like, you're like so upset because somebody didn't want to sit with you or something. <laughs> like, it's just like the, all those like first time feelings, like you have to go through them. I think you do. You No matter how much someone tells you don't worry, I think it's just in our biology to worry with our, especially our first babies, because yeah, we've just never done it before. And once you have that under your belt, it's like, you know, you, you're a pro pretty much even, even though things are hard with the second and, and on and on, it's, it's just that first baby and going through it and, and, you know, and a lot of it too is um, we we don't remember <laughs> how hard it was. There's a reason we have a little bit of a fog, which we get from like the sleep deprivation and we're just so exhausted. I think it's a good thing because if we remembered every single detail and the intense feelings of being a first time mom, like we probably wouldn't have another one. And so I, I think it's a good balance of remembering just enough so that you know what to do for the second baby, but also having a little bit of amnesia about how difficult it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said earlier, like you had your first two back to back. And so it felt like that never ending long postpartum period. What did you find to be the most beneficial piece of that, that you have learned and you really want to bring to new moms and instill and, you know, bring to your coaching and give them? What I love to teach, especially first time moms is to put your home on autopilot before your baby arrives. We don't realize how much we do to run our households until a baby comes. If you're not actively thinking of the things that normally goes into how to run a household. And even if you're not like a planner or organizer, like we are always doing things on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, we're just, we're on autopilot before we have our babies, right? But when our baby arrives, all that changes. And so reconfiguring things before the baby comes is really going to take a lot of things off your plate 
and it'll allow you to heal, to focus on your baby, get that bonding in without worrying about all the normal things that we thought was easy, but it's not as easy when you're taking care of a baby 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And it's something that, you know, a lot of the times we might overlook and it's something that I don't think is regularly kind of told because one, like every family functions differently and like two, like it's just not talked about. So like, you know, what does that look like? And like, how can someone really begin to start getting their like home on a autopilot system? I like to take people through an acronym I, I call IDAD. So the most ideal time is while you're pregnant, but you can obviously do this if the baby's here. Um, so the first step is I, which is inventory. You want to create a list, an inventory list with your partner, your husband, or, or whoever else is living in the house with you. And just write down all the daily things that you're normally doing weekly and monthly, any tasks and chores. It could be, you know, something as simple as taking out the trash or the bins out, you know, once a week or whatever, walking the dog, all those little things. And you you want to do this for a couple weeks just so, you know, things that don't pop up every day can make it onto the list. And so involve whoever you're living with and who with your partner. And then the second step is to delete whatever you can off this list. There may be things you won't want to do once the baby's here and you don't really care for or something you can, you know, put on hold for three months. Um, what I like to look at as part of this kind of like a sub list is uh, the financial stuff like the bills and looking at subscriptions or memberships. Like you're probably if you have a specific studio membership for working out that you're you know you're not going to be going to deleting things like that same with your tasks and chores and so you and your partner can go through the list and just take out what isn't necessary and so that'll shorten your list and just you'll you'll be left with a lot less on your plate in the end right and then after that automate so whatever is left on your list that can be automated start working on that like grocery shopping you can do you know there's amazon subscription there's instacart there's things you can create just like household staples that you can easily order or diapers just automatically coming to your door for instance or meals having meals delivered to your house looking into that but if you don't want to start it yet at least you know where to find it and that's your meals automated and anything like that bills, paying bills, putting it, I, I don't love putting things on auto pay personally, but I will do it for like two or three months. If I'm having a baby, you know, if I'm going to be busy for like two months, I know that's one less thing I have to worry about. And then the last thing is delegate. So now you've deleted a bunch of stuff. You've automated a bunch of stuff. The last thing is to delegate whatever's left left on your list. And that. Part of that, too, is talking about who's responsible for what between you and your partner. When the baby's here, most of your focus is going to be on the baby. 
right? So you're not going to be doing all the dishes, for instance, or, or all the grocery shopping or dry cleaning or whatever it is that you and your partner normally have on a monthly basis. And so, you know, say I'm, I can't do this anymore, like whatever that task or chore is. And so you can hand that over to your partner. If that doesn't fit for your partner or their their plate is also starting to get full, then you can outsource it. You know, hire a cleaning person to come or a cleaning company to come, you know, once a month or every three weeks or whatever is suitable, you know, for your household. Enlisting family members to walk the dog for you if you have a dog or or a neighbor to take out your trash once a week for you guys or just all these little things do add up. And so that last step of delegation will be the last piece to then look at your inventory list or whatever is left on your plate and see how light it is compared to when you first started the process with your inventory list. So by the time the baby comes, you'll be left with a few things that you have to you know, monitor or worry about or take care of. And then the rest of your time is going to be devoted to healing and spending time with the baby and enjoying that those precious moments they're they're intense but they're also very precious those first several weeks becoming a new mom yeah I mean I think it's like one of those things like when you say it like oh my gosh like that makes so much sense and really kind of structuring it and planning it out that way but like as somebody that was always such like a planner and you know like a prepper and everything like that like what do you think was missing when you were a first time mom going into it that you were not like planning in this specific way? Like what were the things that you were focusing on before that you thought might've been important that like later on, when you finally got into the postpartum period, you were like, why did I think like I would need to plan for this? And instead I find it more important to plan for these things that you just told us about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think most first time moms and because it's part of our culture is this, I mean, I just kind of followed what everyone else did, which was to focus on the baby stuff. You know, it was all about the baby registry, getting the latest stroller, the latest car seat, the best bottles, which is fun and it's helpful. But really, when the baby arrived, it didn't really help me as much as, you know, if, if I had focused on planning to put my house, my home on autopilot or investing in services like a lactation counselor or other courses or a coach or people to hold my hand during this period, I thought I could do it all on my own. If I bought the right products, I was going to be fine. And I think that's where you know, the biggest lesson I learned is to focus less on products. Sure, they are important. They do make our lives easier when we have, you know, a sling or a baby holder of some sort so that we can use the restroom if we're home alone or like I love baby products too, but I don't think we focus or invest enough in services, the people who can actually give us a shortcut to becoming comfortable with motherhood. And instead of, fig- I, I mean, I figured it out eventually, but it took a lot of energy. It was very emotional, figuring everything out, spinning my wheels. And I think that's what a lot of first time moms do. And I think it's just a shame that we think we have to figure it out on our own. There's, I think there's also 
guilt about talking about how hard it is because you should only enjoy, only enjoy being a new mom. <laughs> like no other feelings, you know, should be allowed. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I, and I think it's one of those things again, too, like it's not addressed unless you're looking for it. And probably by the time you're looking for it, it's like too late and you're kind of scrambling around like, how am I supposed to find this person? How am I supposed to find that person? Like, where is this? Where is that? And you're like looking in all directions for an answer to something that like you need solved immediately. And I think like what's really awesome, like, you know, us being podcasters and just like so many more like influencers and people that are like diving into this space is like, a lot of us are collaborating. Like a lot of us are like sharing what we're doing. And so like, I hope like that will kind of be like a way that moms can find, like, you know, they find one resource, but it also then leads them down to this like path of being able to like help in so many other ways and like connect with so many other people that like, we're not struggling as long as we need to, to find. Cause I think the point is like, you're going to run into a problem. Even like, you know, all you're planning, all you're doing this, there's bound to be something that like you have not thought about or gotten into that you're going to come across. Like maybe you planned on breastfeeding and that was going to be your full plan. And then something happens like four months in, six months in, and you are now rethinking that plan. That's just like something to remember too. Like for those like listening to this, like if there's something that like, you're struggling with, I think we have to remember to ask for help and really like look for those things, even though like, you know, it kind of sucks that we have to do that. But um, I think it is becoming easier. And I don't know if it's just because like, I am so immersed in it, or, you know, like, it is becoming more kind of talked about. Yeah, it's hard to tell. For, same for me, because I talk about this all the time. I talk to other people like you who this is what we do. And we're connected with other people in the same space. But I can tell you, my cousin's wife just had a baby. And a few months before she had the baby, I was like, hey, like, I, you know, I can help you like, call me anytime, ask me any questions. And she's like, oh, I'm okay. Like, I'm just gonna go with the flow. And, you know, I think that's and that's her nature. She's just very chill, which is good. It's a good mm-hmm. thing. Also, it, it's a little bit of like sticking your head in the sand and not wanting to know what is good, like all the possibilities, which there is an extreme version of that, too. You know, she was focused on wrapping things up at her work. And so that was a little stressful. So she didn't want to add more stress by learning about things like she just didn't have the bandwidth, I think. And my thinking on that is, you know, it's really an investment to not not just time, but your energy now while you're pregnant to save you that time and energy and even money after the baby is born, you know, when you're scrambling, like you were talking about, and it's really double the effort when you're scrambling after the baby arrives, you're already exhausted. So you're going to need double the energy and it there's the the sense of urgency is there and so it's it's more stressful than before the baby arrives it's like the same thing with me you know like I hear like 
a lot of, you know, friends or like my husband's friends, like having kids and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, like, you know, like shameless plug, like check, check out my podcast. But I'm like, no, like legitimately, it's not even just me talking. It's having guests like you come on and it's sharing these different ideas and it's collaborating with all these people. Look, if you don't want to take my advice, like that's fine. But like, you know, like there are people out there that like really want to help. And I think like, it's just like being able to realize those things and like, you know, something, you know, that seems like, oh, like, yeah, like I know how to do that. Like I know how to put my house on autopilot. It's like, but do you? Are you actually like taking those steps to go through, you know, all of those points that you filled out? And like, are you really like tracking it for a couple of weeks? Are you really saying like, hey, I need you to do this? Or you're trying to find somebody that is going to offload those things for you because it's it's fine to like make a list or like kind of start the process. But I think it's like, sometimes we need like a coach or somebody to really push us down that path of being able to do these things because like we get distracted, we get, you know, busy doing other things that like our life is handling that like we forget these little things that we're like, oh, like, like I always joke and say like, oh, like that's future Sarah's problem. Like, I don't need to worry about that now. It's like, we get so stuck in the present, which is like good to be in the present moment. But like when it comes to birth and pregnancy, postpartum, you know, we really need to be looking down the line at these things that like might come up. Mm-hmm. We look at, we hold our careers and our professions on a pedestal like we you know we just oh before you become an x or a y or a z you need years of schooling you need a degree for a lot of professions and then when you start your first job you're you're usually being trained by somebody else you're onboarded you're on you know this 90 day probation or whatever 90 day like where someone's really helping you become or transition into this entry level role or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we don't even do a 10th of that for our first baby. Yeah. You know, we take the hospital class if that, and maybe now there's a lot of online courses and, you know, if you're, if you stumble across one, maybe you'll buy one, but it's not an intentional thing for most people. It's like, yeah, the hospital class, or a birthing class, which is wonderful. Everyone needs a, a birthing class. So you know how to operate when you're delivering a human. <laughs> that's very important. It's very intense. But that's also just a 24 to 48 hour event. And then the postpartum season is I technically it's like 12 weeks, you know, on the like the definition. But I think of the postpartum season as the first six months to first year of the baby's life because there are so many transitions and milestones within the first three months that the fourth trimester and then the next three months and then the next six months until they're one and then when they turn one it's like oh we made it like we we kept them alive for a year you know yeah (laughs) and yeah so I just it boggles my mind now that I do this is that like gosh, we're not helping first time moms train to be a a first time mom, the way we would, you know, like, when I went to nursing school, it was like, for how many years, like, four years. And then when I got my first job, I was being precepted or oriented with a seasoned nurse, 
for at least three months and took a bunch of uh, classes along the way while I was, you know, already working as a nurse. And yeah, we're, we're just expected to know what to do as new moms, because mo being a mom is not I mean, it's existed since the beginning of time. So why would you need a class, right? Or why would you need someone to hold your hand or, or to coach you or to be a mentor to you? It just seems unnecessary in most people's minds because being a mom is natural. But it's one of those things just like breastfeeding. It's like the most natural thing, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And I think people confuse natural with easy. Yeah. And I think to that too, like maybe you do have somebody that's like there with you or you think like, you know, maybe it's, you know, your mom or mother-in-law or somebody else in your family, like an aunt or just like a family friend. But you have like how we were saying, like we black out those like first few months, years, like whatever, because like there's just so much going on. Like you remember all those sweet little moments and it's like looking back through all those baby pictures and how tiny they were. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like he's full now. Like he's like full, like, you know, it's like you forget those little itty bitty moments and like just like waking up every hour, two hours or like all the bottles and all the parts and all the like, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, yeah, definitely. and another thing I like to tell potential clients when I work, cause this comes up a lot. It's like, Oh, I have my sister and I have my best friend. Yeah. They're going to help me. And it's like, they have their own children and their own lives. They have a schedule this is not what they're going to, this isn't what they do for a living. You know, sure, you can, they're there for moral support. They're there, you know, you can shoot them a text when you have a question, but they're not going to do like a step-by-step. -step, this is what, you know, from A to Z, what you're going to need, what you're going to do. And, and, and a lot of times you'll be like, oh, I don't want to bother them. It's like, you know, it's kind of late, you know, whatever. It's, it's harder to ask for help too. Like when they're just your family or, or a friend and you're like, oh gosh, they're so busy. I'll just ask them next time. Whereas if you hire an outside service, like this is what they're going to do for you. This is, you know, a built-in agreement that they're going to take you from A to Z. Yeah, exactly. So like out of everything that we have been covering and talking about, what would you say is like your favorite or like top thing that you believe is like a must have for moms in the postpartum period? Well, putting your home on autopilot, I think is up there because the other stuff will come into your orbit because it's already there. Like the registry nursery, that's already like a given for most people. They know how to do that. They're not aware that your home requires a lot more attention than you realize when you don't have before you have kids, like you, you were on a different type of autopilot. And so just kind of shifting our attention to having things as seamless as possible to operate without us so that we can focus on ourselves and our baby. And also another focus that I would love for new time, new moms or first time moms to kind of start thinking about is the relationship. I know for me, that was another thing I didn't really prepare transitioning our relationship 
from mm-hmm. being just husband and wife to becoming parents and how becoming parents takes a lot of time too, which takes away time from our our couple time, our quality time. The, putting the home on autopilot actually relates to that because then you're you're clear about who's going to do what. And what I found when I didn't do this with our first is that, you know, there was a lot of miscommunication and expectations like, oh, you were supposed to do that. And, you know, we didn't communicate. And so communicating who's in charge of what ahead of time is so helpful. And another big tip I love to do is uh, or give is um, having a communication board in the postpartum season where you can just write every day, you know, the beginning of the day, like how much sleep you got and how you're feeling and maybe something important you want to do for yourself or just something you want to do that day. It could be for yourself. It could be something related to, you know, some boring thing like getting the birth certificate, (laughs) you know, (laughs) taken care of or something like that. You know, you know, because we're, we're so forgetful in the beginning and, we're not always going to be asked, like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How much, you know, people are worried about their own to-do lists every day. So I think just having this thing where someone, whether it's a mom staying with you or your husband or partner or whoever can see that board and say, oh my, you only had like three hours of sleep last night. Oh, you want to get this done today? Like, let me help you with that. You know, that way it's not you telling someone, you know, oh, guess like, like you feel like you're complaining, you know, you just write it up there and they see it. Everyone knows kind of what the temperature is for that day, you know, will help you. And that's, you know, obviously set it up that way. Like it's a, um, a way to communicate so people can get involved and help you because you cannot and should not do it alone. I love that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that reminds me um, of like another episode that I did with Catherine O'Brien and she wrote happy after baby. I believe it's called, we forget. It's like those things that like, we kind of forget about, like our relationship is going to change. Like there's going to be a different dynamic. There's somebody else now that's permanently a part of your world. And I think it's just, you know, like making sure that you remember those things and just kind of like keep that like in the back of your mind and finding a way to communicate now, like once baby's there. So that's great. (laughs) Big, big change, big surprise for first time moms, I think. Yeah. So how can we reach you, get in contact with you? Where are you at on social media and everything like that? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So I have my podcast as well, the new mom boss podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram at new mom boss. And I love good old fashioned email. I I get tons of like just direct email from podcast listeners, just Calista at new mom boss.com. It's like the best treat when I open up an email from a listener or someone who just stumbled upon me on social media or whatever, and they start to change their perspective on how they're going to prepare for their baby. It's like the best gift. So you can reach me at any of those places. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and, and really just helping our listeners, you know, down that path of entering motherhood. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate you having me on. 
Thank you, mamas, so much for listening. Remember, you are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Message me, email me, call me, beat me. You know how to reach me. We're doing this, mamas. I am so excited to catch you here next week. This is your one-stop go-to place for helping you find the resources you need to make the best choices for you and your family during pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, postpartum. See you later, mamas.